spark of your life, motivation, keep it moving, uh, all about improving, this here is a movement, conquer your life, uh, ain't no going backwards, time to overcome your challenges with Tristan Mathers, aiming to see the success, time to start living your best, positive changes, they creating a ripple effect, mind, body, spirit, all about resilience, welcome to the podcast, hey, let's get it, get it. What's up, everybody? I'm Tristan Mathers, and welcome to Conquer Your Life. Join me as I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world, sharing their invaluable insights with you. Together, we'll ignite the fire within and unlock your limitless potential. Let's get it. How's your day going so far on this lovely Monday morning? Pretty good. It's a little rainy. Um, Yeah, just a regular day. So this week, we don't have our babysitter. So I have um, an eight-month-old. Oh, and doing the new dad thing and hiring a babysitter was the best thing ever, like during the day to offset some of that time. And so um, playing juggling dad duty and stuff like that today, a little extra because the babysitter's on vacation. So other than that, it's pretty awesome. Stock market's closed today, low volume. Mm-hmm. Went and checked on a house I'm flipping, just kind of have a nice. chill day. Just taking it easy and everything. Yeah, I don't have any client calls today, so I really just have this, and then I'm meeting with uh, my partner for my coffee shop. We have yeah. every other Monday. So meet with him today. So you're quite the coffee advocate. I am. I uh, I actually started that business without drinking coffee, so I did not drink coffee up to that point. Mm-hmm. And after I started that business, we're nine years in. I became a coffee aficionado, but black only. Aficionado. Is there a certain reason for it? You just like it that way, just suck it down, get the energy. Uh, it doesn't even energize me that much. I just decided if we were going to roast our own coffee and sell mm-hmm. high-end coffee, then it should be palatable black. Right. That yeah. makes perfect sense, man. So you're a new dad. You have an eight-month-old and that's it? That's right. That's oh. my first kid. How is it? Um, It's actually pretty awesome. So I think the last... The last couple of years leading into that, um, you know, setting my businesses up so that I could have time freedom mm-hmm. has made that extra awesome because then I can be flexible like today. So I could be on dad duty while my wife went to the gym mm. and things like that. So having the freedom to spend time with her and watch her grow and stuff like that is uh, pretty cool because she changes fast. Like every couple of weeks is a whole new human. Mm. Yeah, I can only imagine, man, because I don't have kids yet. I have fur babies. I got two dogs. Um, but one day I'm definitely wanting to have two. Are you wanting to stop at two? Or what are you thinking? Um, that's kind of been our target. So we have two dogs as well. I have two uh labradoodles. Mm. And we we're thinking two kids. My wife flip flops, so some days she's like, I'm never having another kid and <laughs> some days she's like, Man, I love her so much I could have three of these. Oh my three goodness. or four of these. And so I don't know. The target's two. Mm-hmm. The target is two. So we'll see. I hear you. So how young are you? I'm thirty four. Thirty four. First kiddo at thirty four. Were you wanting to possibly do it earlier in life or you just said, Screw it, thirty four is it. I want to make sure my life and everything's figured out before I have kiddos. I I don't think I was opposed to it younger. Um, I think if it would have been in the cards, that would have been fine. I had a really like like toxic eight year relationship in there, like from mm. twenty to twenty eight. Mm. And uh, thank God I didn't have kids with that person. Yeah. And after I you know parted ways and kind of re 
reinvigorated my soul a little bit and mm-hmm. pursued my own passions. Like my business exploded. I, I found the right woman, things like that. Someone that, you know, supports me, inspires me, things like that. And after that, you know, we got married in 2020 and then had our kid October of 22. So mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of a, an appropriate timeline for that relationship. So I she's, hear you. She's younger. She's, she's only 22. So who is my wife? Oh, check that out. Oh man. That's a, that must be a story. <laughs> yeah. She'll be 23 this year. So we're 10, like 10 and a half years apart. Something well, like that. Or right at 11 years, something like that. It sounds awesome, man. I'm 23. So that means your wife is younger than me. That's wild. (laughs) It is a little wild, but that's okay, man. I mean, you got to be a pretty awesome guy for uh, the lady who's younger to go ahead and pull that trigger, man. That's awesome. Um, So I'm curious, where does your journey typically start? Is it after the 28 year or 28 years old with the eight year relationship? Or where would you typically start if you're going to share, you know, who you are, what you do, what you came from? Because I want to get to know you a little bit and have the listeners get to know you more too. Yeah, man, we can, we can kind of start and kind of in the, kind of the middle of that. So, um, you know, I went to college, I double majored in undergrad, thought, you know, I'm the first college graduate in my family. I thought that was the end all be all of like, my family's pushed to go be successful, right? Like this, go graduate college, be the first. And so did that, um, almost triple majored. Now I went on to grad school. I went to UNC Chapel Hill for uh, analytical chemistry. And then I decided that, um, during that, I met some dudes that were like, had been there for like 10 years. They're slaving away, you know, in the lab and they have their PhD. So they're like educationally successful. But then after I'm talking to him, like this guy had been there 10 years and was like making 40 grand a year and had to come Damn. in on Saturdays and skip his kid's soccer game. And, Damn. you know, like that moment, specifically lunch with that dude was kind of like a very pivoting point for me in my like educational journey because I was like, look, I can't commit five, six years to a PhD and then, you know, go off and miss Saturday soccer games with my future son or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like a good trade for me for 40 grand. Too. Right. Like, Only 40 grand, man. I mean, you said yeah, that you're 2012. You said, so that's like 55 today, but still not much. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking right off the bat, you know, you're in real estate and you're doing a flip. I mean, you could make 40 in a flip in a couple months, you know? So it's just crazy like what how my mindset's been changed from how I've grown up and seeing my parents growing up and everything and just being like, dude, there's, like I just met a guy the other day at an elite meetup and he's like, yeah, man, I do X, Y, and Z. I make about $110,000, $115,000 a week. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. But, right? Yeah, I'll let you continue though. Yeah, so from there, I just abandoned ship. I was like, see you grad school. I'll take my master's degree, no PhD for me. I peaced out. And so met a guy, started working like with him and his hedge fund and different things and learning mm-hmm. to trade the stock market and stock options and things like that. So really got heavily involved in that. And while I was doing that to meet people and still be connected, I was like waiting tables and things like that. So I did that for a while. Uh, my dad's an electrical contractor. So I was helping him out off and on here and there, uh, just pulling wire or whatever, because uh, I knew how to do it. And from that, you know, that led to a lot of different things. So I met a guy at the, I was waiting tables at the Olive Garden making bank actually like 150, 200 a night. Mm. And I met a guy, he invited me to come play guitar in his church band. Oh, check that out. And then uh, we played, he was a keyboard player and we were on one side of the stage and we had a lot of downtime because 
we were, we just knew our stuff and the other guys need to practice and catch up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking and he's like, Hey, I want to start a business. I love coffee. I don't know how to start. And I'm like, well, I've been reading about starting businesses. Let me run the business side and the accounting and stuff for, like that from my, you know, finance background and you do the coffee part. And so, you know, we launched that business in 2015 mm. and, um, 2014, 2014. Hmm. And I hadn't looked back about a year into that, though. I kind of pivoted. I realized retail and coffee and cheap products mm-hmm. versus high ticket sales is a, uh, you got to do a, a ton of volume of five and $6 cups of coffee to provide for your staff and two mm-hmm. owners and like major volume. So I was like, look, we're not making money fast enough. I need to go do something else. And so I pivoted and I opened a construction company with my, my adopted brother. We went into construction together. He had the construction background. It's kind of same scenario. Like I was going to run the financing, the business back end, all the infrastructure, SOP building and stuff like that and go sell some. And then he was going to do production and fulfillment. So he was mm. going to be the construction guy. I was going to be the sales guy. Just like with coffee. That's kind of what we were doing over there. Yep. And that took off in my market, you know, being a, a well-spoken, educated, relatable contractor, you know, um, Really led to me just getting a lot of a lot of leads, a lot of deals, a lot of trust in the community. You know, I had my real estate license at that time when I launched that business too. Uh, my mom's a real estate broker, my dad's an electrical contractor, so I had their network to leverage. Mm. And so, you know, that combined into just honoring my word and my guarantee to say, you know, like I used to do forty-eight hour guarantee punch list for real estate closing. So if you you had a punch list mm-hmm. that you needed punched out. I'll come do a guaranteed done in 48 hours so that you could close the deal. Nice. And that's how I built my business. Dude, that's awesome, man. So you've had the knowledge in the finance game for a while, right? Where does, where does that typically start from? I think, I think when I was like in high school, I just started reading a lot of books about the stock market and stuff like mm. that. And really, uh, you know, learning about financial management from my dad. Uh, he went out on his own when I was like seven or eight. Mm. And so I got to watch him like make a ton of money as an electrical contractor, but be, be very smart with it. And, you mm-hmm. know, buy, he started flipping houses when I was like 11 or 12 and watch him like, yeah, we were making a ton of money, but he was very conservative. He was saving, piling over here. Cause he always told me like construction and the economy is really feast or famine. You either have too much work and too much money or nothing at all. And you're su- struggling. And so mm. he's like, when you're making it all, you got to make sure you put back. So when, you know, feast and famine, when the famine comes, you can take care of your family and the people around you. And so, you know, I watched that happen through like the 06, 07, 08, 09 kind of mm-hmm. bubble. And then growing through that and watching how my dad managed his money and stuff really, you know, taught me a lot about putting back and saving and surviving. So I've always been like an intense saver. So I'm really good at saving and accumulating. That's mm-hmm. just a natural skill set from watching him do that. Right. That's, one of those things I, I caught from watching him do. It wasn't him telling me. Is I saw how he took care of his money. Mm-hmm. I got you. So is all has all of this gone on in North Carolina? You know how you grew up, where you've grown up, and where you're starting your business now. It's all in North Carolina. Yeah, all really kind of in this northwest corner of North Carolina. I've lived some other places. You know, um, in college I worked for the FBI for a summer. I lived in Hattiesburg for a summer. You know, I did some different things and lived some different places, but. Ended up, you know, moving back in this northwest corner mm-hmm. that I'm familiar with, working real estate and then doing construction and, you know, leveraging that market. And, you know, we grew that business like year four. We were doing probably a million bucks in revenue, mm-hmm. 
more in the construction. Yeah, in the construction business. Okay. Coffee shop business is probably now doing, I don't know, seven or eight hundred thousand a year. Okay. Out of two locations. Nice. Construction business be four point five. Um, mostly custom homes, big additions, Check small it out. team. Okay. Yeah. So is there anything that your construction company doesn't do or like, what do you guys, what's your niche? Oh yeah. So we started out doing it all, which is yeah. a bad idea, right? <laughs> You're like, I'll take it. If it pays and the margin's good, send it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, terrible, terrible idea. So we've slowly over time, we started out as that punch list company. We got into remodels and additions. And then I finally just built a spec house like four years ago so that I could get into new construction because Nobody trusts you if you've never built a house before. So I was like, well, I'll just fund it and build it myself. So I so built a spec house and sold it. So spec house is like a, a builder house, like the, the blueprint of a house you could mass produce, right? So a speculative house is like, I build a house to sell. Mm, okay. So it's, I can buy the plan, find the plan, make the plan myself. I build the whole thing, then I sell it. Versus like in the custom home building, clients at the front end. Mm. I'm not selling a product. I'm selling them an experience, which is a little different. I hear you. So we pivoted, you know, in the last couple of years, I used to have like 20 field guys. So we cut our entire labor force, moved to all subcontractors, kept the high-end office, like project managers. I've got a, a designer, an office manager. And we pivoted to just really focused on that custom higher-end client mm. experience in my market to... um I mean, it provides, it's very experience-based, not product-based. So mm-hmm. that's where the value is and how you hold their hand, how do you, mm-hmm. how you take care of them through the process. So we pivot our business to that. And then I'll still do, you know, I've got the house flipping business and I'll do some spec houses still, mm-hmm. like built to sell houses on land. So right now I buy a lot of land, buy as many flips as I can and I like the spec market, but they're like, they're big hits. Like a flip, you know, like this flip I'll do, I think we'll, we're projected to pocket like 57,000. Check that thing. out. Yeah, and this, and we could do, you know, I got capacity to do 30 or 40 of these a year. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting, you know, going from that whole ditch the 40K potential educational chemist career mm-hmm. to, you know, what it looks like today, where really all of those things are less than to so the flipping business, then real estate investing. Mm-hmm. My construction company and my coffee company all probably encompass less than 10 hours a week. Check that out, man. So that's so cool. Just here, this is my favorite part about inter- interviewing guys like you on this podcast is like helping the listeners that do follow this, you know, the younger crowd, you know, 18 yeah. to 30. And my goal is to break them out of that mindset that they've been raised with. Cause a lot of them didn't have that go be successful, go do this, go to college, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's pretty good. That's awesome. You ended up breaking out of it and doing your own thing anyways. Um, but my whole goal here is to break into the minds of these younger guys and be like, listen to these people, man. They were on a similar path than you, as you are and they figured it out. Now they're massively successful. This guy's doing, can do 40 flips a, a year and make tons of money. He can continue doing his business. He can keep doing all these certain things. And all he had to do is what? What do you think you specialized in? that one skill that took you farther than anything? I think, you know, learning to lead people Mm. because to leverage their time and put leaders in, you start with leaders in place and then it becomes leaders in charge. And when my, when I got to like in my construction company, I've got two guys that pretty much run the show for me at this point. And Mm -hmm. I just, 
I have leadership meetings with them. They're now, as far as the client facing side, they're the leaders of the company, not me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, learning to systematize things, delegate that and, you know, build people up to take the responsibility and, you know, those roles in the companies that needed to be filled so that I didn't have to be there. So that'd be the biggest thing is learning how to, you know, find good people, retain good people, develop them, you know, Mm -hmm. take care of those employees. Because really like in those types of business, your, your capital is really in your people, your staff, Mm -hmm. that's your investment is how do I grow these people into the people I need them to be a year from now or two years from now? Like, you know, I remember having a talk with some of my guys when I made this decision to get rid of my field guys. I told all my field guys, I said, look, 18 months from now, if you're not worth 25 or 30 bucks an hour as an assistant project manager, I'm letting you go. Mm. Wow. It's like 12 to 18 months notice. I said, here's where I'm going. If you want to fit in the vision, you either go become a sub, get really good at your trade, be my sub, or learn to be an assistant project manager worth at least, you know, 25 to 30 bucks an hour. And if mm. you can't, we will part ways. Damn, you're giving them that year and a half advance too, man. That's awesome. Just kind of put them on the line. Be like, hey, do you want to work with us or not? Because, you know, you know your value, Nate. You know where you're going. You're like, I want to build you guys up and come with me. But if you don't want to, just tell me now, right? Yeah, get off the ship. Yeah, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been a reoccurring thing in almost every podcast is that focus on a skill and get really good, just get in the right places, focus on your skill, build leaders. And that's been the other big, big part. And it's huge for this podcast because my mission is to make as many leaders as possible, masculine leaders and families and households and business as just all around. Because like it or not, I know you can see it too. We're lacking in that masculine role model part of things in today's society. And there's two words that I heard recently from Ryan Stuman. Do you know who Ryan Stuman is? Yeah, I do know Ryan. Yeah. Um, I'm in his group called Apex with Clifton. Yep. Uh, Clifton is the reason why, you know, a lot of you win rate guys are on here. It's awesome. But he said something at MDM this last a uh, couple of weeks ago. And he said, I am a king maker. And I thought, dude, that's it. That is so huge. Because what you're doing in your business is making kings to lead the kingdom. And then you're going to keep building more kingdoms, man. You're, you're a king maker too. And I'm like, man, if we can just mass produce the king makers, we can change the world. We need to make, yeah, we need to make as many guys, the best guys that they can be as possible. And that's whoever's listening to this. If you're a young man, you're supposed to be the leader, protector and provider in your family. You're supposed to be a king. If you want, you can be a king maker. And that's all I, that's, that's my whole goal with this is to keep on opening up people's minds to lead them on that direction, man. Because as you can tell, you have the power to do it. And I bet you, you can look at somebody and be like, dude, you got the power to do it too. There's no reason why you can't be where I'm at. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. 100%. I love it, man. Um, there's so many different ways I can go about this talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's uh, You've already hit on so much, man. Um, let's see here. What fires you up about like helping people with their finances. That's one thing I read about you is that you you thoroughly enjoy and you're passionate about helping people out with their relationship with money. So let's hear about that. Yeah, so that rabbit hole. So I, I hired Mike, you know, Mike of Winray as my coach in mm. 2021. Okay. And in that journey with him, we discovered 
that I started my coffee shop because I was passionate about building a business for someone else, which is Greg, my partner there. Mm. Started my construction company because I'm passionate about my brother's the one that wanted to do construction. Mm-hmm. So I helped build the business. And we realized that, you know, the the recipe there was that I helped someone else be successful. Mm. That was what I cared about. That was what was important to me. So like, like my coffee shop, I'm not made really much money off of it all, but like it provides for my business partner's family, his way of life, you yep. know, all of that. It's his full-time income. And like, that's where the passion's at. And then Mike's like, well, just be a business coach and share the knowledge with them. And then eventually you could be a consultant that gets some equity, but you don't have to be a partner. You could just help them and guide them and get paid along the way. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's the perfect fit for my personality and my mission. And then, mm-hmm. you know, what What really my skill set that sets me apart a little bit, especially in the coaching world is, and especially construction, is I entered construction the opposite of most people. So I'm the unicorn there. Most people are getting in construction. They go work construction. They get really good at their trade. And then they're like, hey, boss, man, I'm going to go out on my own and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. That's the normal pathway. I went the complete reverse. I went college education, understand business, business development, built a couple businesses, and then backed into like, oh, there's a market need. Let me go build mm-hmm. a construction business and find the trades guys. So I'm business first, trade second, the other way around. Mm. And so I bring in, you know, a lot of that financial acumen, cash flow management. You know, that's something I see really successful business people just drowning themselves in is they they think all the money in the bank's theirs to spend. Mm. Yeah. 99% of the time, definitely not the case. Yeah. And so they dig these holes accidentally because they're unaware. They haven't allocated their funds and things like that. So, you know, I found that little hole that I feel like a a vast majority of construction businesses really struggle with. And so on Mike's team, you know, I created that niche for myself that I'm the finance guy. Like I understand it. I love Mm -hmm. numbers. I have that background of you know, I did accounting in college and understand bookkeeping, accounting, financial analysis from, you know, doing the stock market and stuff like that. And I take all this knowledge and reading about cash flow management and cash flow in general and things like mm-hmm. that. And I can leverage that in to help, you know, a lot of people and fill a hole that there's not a lot of construction coaches really out there teaching finance management and cash flow management because the goal is for all these guys that own their own company that's taking this risk is to get to where they're financially successful. So to do that, they need to understand how to build, to manage their cash flow, to build cash reserves so that they can mm. go invest in real estate, so that they can invest in the stock market and yep. all these other things. So um, it starts to get to that journey of measure of success to buy rental properties and all that. Mm-hmm. We need a cash bucket to be able to do that. And to do that, we have to manage the cash flow coming in the primary business to fill the bucket to go mm-hmm. do the investing. You know, it's really awesome that you say that because... I'm going through that right now is figuring those things out, you know, because last year I was 1099, I was selling roofing, siding, windows, all that awesome yeah. stuff. And I made very good money, but I didn't know damn shit about taxes. So this yeah. year I'm paying out the butt, man. It's, it's not it fun. Um, but it, it's definitely one of the most recent lessons that I've learned and all the younger guys out here learning let me learn the hard way for you so you don't got to make my mistakes, okay? Yeah. Um, because I'm in a money pit right now. And I'm going to be honest with everybody. I'm growing. I'll be fine. I know where I have to go. But like what I realized yeah. is that 
I need a bucket to pull from. I need something constantly filling my bucket up first. So then I could pour that bucket up or out to other buckets that those can fill up and then continue moving that money around. So just recently, I haven't even told anybody this yet. So whoever's listening to this is, this is 619, 2023, but, um, do you know, Joshua Steinberger? No, of him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was at an elite meetup a couple of days ago and I've been really figuring out what I'm going to do next. I went all in into conquer your life, which is teaching masculine leadership to mm-hmm. the young guys so they can be generational leaders in a, you know, we already touched on that. And, uh, you know, I've been realizing that, okay, well, for three to four months, I really haven't made shit for income because I've been going all in on my podcast. I've been building the brand and the business, yeah. but haven't had any cash reserves to keep doing what I'm doing. So honestly, we were on one, we were on one month left of funds of, okay, I need to figure this shit out. We're going broke, yeah. babe. I, I'm, I have a fiance, but you know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta support, you know, if I'm, leading this cause of being the example, I better go and figure this shit out. Cause the last thing I'm going to do is make my fiance suffer because I'm making dumbass decisions. So by the grace of God, and I prayed for it in the morning, I was like, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, but I trust you and I know it's going to work out. I just, I just have nothing but faith. So I went to this elite meetup in Kansas city the other day, Joshua Steinberger, is the guy who's running it. And uh, after I did my spill and my talk and whatever, and said that I had roofing experience, he pulled me aside at the end of the interview. He's like, dude, come work for me. And we talked about it and whatnot, figured it out. Cause he just opened up the Kansas city branch. He needs somebody to lead it. He needs somebody to oh, run wow. the sales force. He needs somebody to just to go in there and make a bunch of freaking money, get, get their name out there even more in the Kansas city area. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you know what? Let's figure this out. Here's my problems. I need uh, my rent. My I'm, I have rent that I need paid for if I'm going to move down there. I need help with getting a house when I'm down there to rent out of. And he said, you know what? I'll write you a check right now. Go figure it out. Come come move down here. Let's do it. So I'm moving down there in like a couple of weeks so cool. to go get it figured out, man. And that's it. I want to move that along to what I want to talk about next is God, yeah. dude. How awesome is God, right? If you just put 100% faith in the God, man, and the most amazing things happen, like, you know, it almost brings me to tears sometimes because I'm like, that's all I have to do. I might've been scared shitless. I might be running out of money. You know, I might not be going on the right path. I mean, it is the right path because I had to struggle to get here, but like, it's just really cool, man. So how does your spiritual journey look? Yeah, I think... You know, one of the things I tell a lot of my guys is that, like, you know, God weaves a perfect story. Mm, that's and, so powerful. Yeah, there's a lot of different, you know, I think sometime in your mid-30s, you you get old enough that you can start looking back at, like, the God moments, right? Like, mm-hmm. the different things that happen. So, like, you know, I had to have the eight-year bad relationship to grow enough to be the right man for my current wife. Mm. I had to build the coffee shop business that didn't make me much money so that my current wife walked through the door of it for mm-hmm. her and I to meet. And, you know, all these little things in the journey, like it's a very big spider web, but it has to be the way it has to be. Like God weaves it perfectly, mm-hmm. put you at the right place at the right time. And I think, you know, with that, it's a lot of those struggles and things. And, uh, you know, I grew up 
I guess non-denominational, but super Christian, mm-hmm. not like oppressive Christianity, like more right. modern Christianity. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's how I met Greg was playing, taking the chance from a random dude at the Olive Garden one night saying, hey, man, you want to come play guitar on stage with me on Sundays and play worship music with me? I was like, let's go, dude. Why not? What I got to lose? Like, you're here for a reason. Like, it's a random Thursday night. I'm meeting you at the Olive Garden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, when you take, and I had to do that. So start the coffee shop with the keyboard player. Oh, no have shit. The coffee shop. See, man, yeah, that's so, awesome. <laughs> so I had to take the job I didn't need at the Olive Garden to meet the dude who got me the spot in the church band that led to the coffee shop business that my wife walked through the door of. Your so wife walked through like, that door? Yeah, she took a job. So I'm out of the business, but she took a job there, and that's how I met her originally. Really? Wow. At the coffee shop? At my coffee shop. She said, I want to be a barista. I didn't know I was going to find my fu- my future husband here. 100%. <laughs> and now she owns it, basically. So, Dude, I want to... Okay. I got to hear a little bit more about that. So, um, it's not typical 100% of the time that you hear of a... You know, you said 32, 34? Yeah, I'm 34 now. 34, 22-year-old. I'm not giving you shit. I think that's awesome. Um, have you gotten Have you gotten some backlash on it at all? You know, I I thought I would have got a lot more backlash than I did. So, like, you know, she's mature for her age. And I guess I don't look that old. And so a lot of people put us at, like, her 25 and me, like, 29. And then that mm. feels a little more regular, right? Right. And then when people find out, they're like, no way. She's only 21, 22. And I think, you know, she came from... She, you know, she grew up a missionary and all kinds of cool stuff. So she wow. grew up in Mexico wow. and has lived her own cool life, but almost so to cool. the extreme, you know, almost oppressive side of Christianity, like too mm-hmm. rules based. Yeah. And um, broke out of that and just, I think she just knew what she wanted and, you know, finding someone that she can grow with that believes in her and things like that became super important. And, uh, you know, someone that's a go-getter has a vision and clarity mm-hmm. for the family, you know, that, you know, male leader like that's yep. attractive to her like you know we have a good family dynamic like we understand our like household roles yeah like that are super important to both of us and so like you know she wasn't finding that in dudes in her age demographic 100%. I mean, there's not in our market there's not 20 to 25 year old dudes running around with their shit together mm-hmm. for the most part you know yeah you're like the oddity like few and far between very and, true uh, i will own that yeah. any day of the week <laughs> Just in mindset, not even like money and mm-hmm. mindset. Yes. It's a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that was attractive for her. And then, you know, obviously I was attracted to her, you know, physically and mentally. And we had good conversations and things like that. And it just, it clicked. And we talked about how, you know, it was risky. Um, you know, people are going to see her as, you know, the, I mean, t- she was my employee, but I wasn't her manager. I just owned the company. Um I'm not there in the day-to-day at all. And so that pivot, you know, it wasn't that bad. And then, you know, we just took the gamble. It just felt right. And I prayed about it a lot. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she thought about it. And it just, I think the way the story played out and the stars aligned and all those little pieces wove together to put this person in front of me, you know, like, and it felt right. So I was like, I got to gamble on it. Mm -hmm. I got to move forward with this and see what happens. And that's kind of the path we took. And we just put age aside and really, Well, we got serious, really talked a lot about, you know, like financial management, family Mm -hmm. roles, goals, where are we going? Like, you know, it's important to me that my wife doesn't have to work. She can choose to work. Absolutely. 
But it's important to me to be that male provider so that she can choose if she wants to stay at home with Harvey. My daughter's name is Harvey. She can. But if she wants to work, I can support that and have a babysitter so that she can work. You know, she helps win rate plan events now because she wants something that, you know, inspires her and gives her passion and things like that outside of the home. And Mm. I support that too. So, you know, all of those were important early conversations because, you know, I was in Arte that second year. um, Mm. And I'll never forget, you know, when somewhere along the way, when I decided to leave my ex, you know, Andy talked about like your spouse, your significant other is sometimes the quickest choice we make that we shouldn't make so quickly because it's the most important choice. Most important. Yep. Because that person is the one person that can derail your entire mission in life. Yep. And so that person has to be chosen so wisely and make sure you're in alignment outside of physical attraction, right? Mm-hmm. That we believe in the same, like we, you got to both want kids. You both got to have similar religious beliefs. You got to both have similar, like where we're going financially, because like, as we go on that journey, maybe there's some people that get weeded out of our life uh, because we're hustlers and going over here and there's people getting left over here. We got to mm-hmm. say goodbye to, you know, yep. like we got to be yep. comfortable with that. And all of those things have to play into that decision. And, you know, she took it serious with me and here we are happy as can be. Absolutely, man. And I just got to say that's you guys meeting, how you met the path, the, the spider web of events that decided to happen, man. It's so divine. I love hearing it, you know, because I I can relate so well. Everything in my life is just so divine. And to everybody listening, if you're a believer or not, whatever, you can just hear it. It's it's a divine thing. It's not by accident. There's no coincidences when it comes to things like this. Like it is it is the perfect match at the perfect time and it just like you yep. said perfectly weaved story and uh same thing with me, man. It's just, it was a divine thing. I wasn't looking for a girl and she came up in my life and it was the best decision I ever made. And depending on what the future looks like, man, we're probably going to meet in person someday. My fiance and your wife would get along great. They're the same age. You said planning events and stuff. Brianna loves yeah. planning events and designing and creating things. And she's a, she's going to be an amazing mom. It's just so many parallels there, but yeah. definitely one of the biggest parallels I want to talk about is what you you said about the roles in the family and why it is so important. Biblically, the ladies are supposed to submit to their man as they would to the church or something. I, I've went into it like um, in premarital counseling. Yeah, words but, like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. You know, and why it is so important for her to you know, allow her husband to lead her in the way because he's the leader, protector, and provider. So I'm curious to know what that conversation looked like because exactly that thing that you talked about is my biggest driver for it all. Because if the role, if you're not acting in your appropriate role, everything gets thrown out of balance. And because that family lifestyle is split apart in today's society most of the time, like the woman... And the relationship has to step into the masculine roles because the father isn't doing it. And it creates all that friction. And now because so much friction has been caused, now I can go on a rabbit hole, but you know what I'm getting at, man. Like 
it's it's terrible. And really what it is, is the family dynamic and people not understanding their biological roles. So I'll just let you take the cake there. I know you probably have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I think, you know, growing up, my my dad and mom, you know, they they did divorce eventually, but they my whole childhood had those like, I guess, not stereotypical, but the ideal, you know, more biblical roles. Like my dad went out and provided, you know, he worked on the road like 10 days at a time, then home for three days and so on. So, mm. you know, early, early in my childhood, my dad was gone. He was working. He was providing because that's mm. what, you know, that's the career he had. And that's what he had to do before he went out on his own. So I had, you know, that example set before me. And, you know, my mom, you know, she picked us up from school. She took us to school. You know, she was there. And her being there was super important to us to have that, you know, caretaker present in our life that, you know, she worked odd jobs. She had like a, she cut hair and did cosmetology work and things like that filled her up too. But like, she knew like her primary responsibility was to make sure like my brothers, I have two brothers and a sister. Her primary responsibility was to make sure that we were taken care of and we mm-hmm. were growing and developing and learning the right things and all of that. And so I think having that example led to like some deep dives on what I wanted in a spouse. And part of that was like, you know, I want to go be the provider and the masculine figure. And I want my kids to grow up with the opportunity to have that present mother figure mm-hmm. you know, in their life. And obviously a present father too. But, you know, that early dynamic with my mom was super important to me growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I wanted to make sure my kids had that same opportunity And I know my mom really, it was important to her that she had those, you know, those years with us at home and taking care of us and helping us learn and grow and, you know, teaching us the right things and all of that. So, um, you know, family is unbelievably important to me. So I need that. If I want to have two or three kids or whatever, I needed to make sure that my spouse was in alignment with that belief of that, hey, you know, like, even if you, like, even for her job now, her primary role is to take care of my daughter and me mm. in the home. That's yeah. her primary responsibility. So if that started taking a hit because of the career part, then the career part has to give first mm. because of primary responsibility to take care of us in the home. Mm. And so, you know, we had those conversations early on that that's our dynamic. And then at the same time, I can't be held down. I've got to go, I've got to go kill. I've got to go hunt. Like mm-hmm. I, that's my role. And so if, if I, if you got to watch the kid and I got to leave and go do business, like that's just part of it. You know, that's part of the dynamic here is my role is make sure we have food on the table and a house and live out our dreams from mm-hmm. the financial side and us, you know, from the provider standpoint and the protector standpoint. And so I think we just had an open conversation that like, hey, here's kind of what I'm looking to get out of a spouse. And I want to make sure you're cool with that because I'm not, I'm not bending on that. That's mm-hmm. what I believe in at my core. And if you don't believe the same, then we probably shouldn't get married, Mm. you know? And so making sure that I'm just saying, here's what I expect. Here's what I'm looking to get. And if you're not cool with that, cool, but I got to get that out in the open for both of us to talk about, because this is how, what I'm going to expect going forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. How important do you think it is before you go and find a a lady and you're ready for a, a lady that you have to figure out your shit first? What do you think about that? I think, a hundred percent. I think people rush that and they don't think because of the home dynamic and all the social issues and things like that. I think we have a generation of specifically men that don't know who they are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if they don't go spend, if they don't go spend time with 
masculine men or have you know masculine men surrounding them in their life and those men's groups and things like that to help build them up, to help them find who they are, then they're just lost and they're going to make bad decisions. And so I think, you know, getting really clear and it's going to change like your vision in life and what you want and all that changes, but getting really clear on what you want, what you're looking for, what you want in a spouse, what you want in a family. Uh, you know, you can do a lot of different deep dive exercises to start getting clarity around that because once you have a destination in mind that you've prayed about, you know, is in alignment with who you are and what you want in life, all the other little pieces kind of fall in line. Like once you get clear on that, that's what it was for me. So, you know, I got super clear that the relationship I was in was one I didn't want. Mm-hmm. It was toxic. It wasn't filling me up. I felt like I had to come home and wage war. I, I described it as like, you know, you go to battle and do business all day and you wear your armor so you mm-hmm. don't get injured. Then when you come home, you want to take it off. But my house was a place I could not. Wow, dude, that is so powerful. I love that. So I had to leave fast. Once I realized that and came to that conclusion that this isn't fitting my vision that I built now because, you know, the RTA thing and all that helped me get more clear about where I was going. But once I did that and I cut everything that wasn't in alignment with who I was and where I was going, all the other pieces started falling into place. Like, you know, Lydia, my wife, just, she was there. Mm-hmm. I didn't go, didn't go hunting for her. She just, she appeared. Once I cast aside all the things that weren't serving me and getting me to my destination, everything else kind of started falling into place. Like finding the coach with Mike, you mm-hmm. know, I think all those things and the timing of that to get it to where now I'm in alignment and pursuing my true passion and helping more people and, just genuinely more happy in life because I'm on the journey I was meant to be on. Yep. And uh, all the younger guys listening, older guys, whatever, whoever's listening, I want you to pay attention to the importance of his example and his relationship and what he had to do at 34 to be able to get the wife that he has and the values and everything that comes with it all. He had to do the work within, with God, and I, I would assume that physically you're pretty up to date too. You work out, you stay, you stay okay. healthy, you know, and conquer your life, Nate. The things that I talk about is that you must first conquer your life before you can, you know, get on the path of your purpose on where God wants you. And uh, just to, you know, for you, find the lady of your dreams, you know, the live the rest of your life with. Um, but what I'm getting at is in Conquer Your Life, there's three things that you must conquer to be able to be the best man that you can be. And that's in your body, mind, and spirit. There's only three things that you are, your body, mind, and spirit. And if you're not on that path to conquer the problems and defeat the demons in every single realm in the things that you are, that you can control, then you're not going to be on the path that God has for you. Um, so this is amazing, man. Like with the armor thing, like us guys don't want to carry around this armor and sleep with it. You know, we want to come home. We want to be vulnerable enough to be like, listen, like I trust you, babe. I'm going to take off my armor. Don't shoot me. Don't stab me. I'm open now. You know, and that's like the last thing you want is to come home and get yelled at, or now you have to work even more. You know, you want to come home and have that, your, your woman there ready to support you and love you and give that nurture you and give you everything you need. And it all starts with us guys to everybody listening. It all starts with you 
making that decision. Uh, one of my good friends, Jay, you know, he's 28 years old and he's one of the guys I mentee. I, he's my mentee. I mentor him and he's has a, he's a good looking 28 year old guy. There's no reason why you would think why he wouldn't have an awesome girl yet. Well, the thing is, is he's too much of a lack of better words. He's an ass kisser. You know, he's going out to these ladies and, oh, she looks pretty. You know, this is awesome. Let's figure it out. And I told him, I was like, dude, you need to start going on dates with women if you're serious about a relationship and having kids because kids are very important to him, getting married and spending that life with just that one woman. And he's like, I don't know, that's uncomfortable. And I'm like, dude, ask her those questions, literally interview her. You know, what are your values? What do you believe religiously? How many kids do you want? Do you even want kids? You know, what kind of habits do you need help with? You know, like, what would you say would be a good list of questions to ask on a date like that for the listeners here who want to find that one or at least be on the path to find it? And I think, I think if you go look at like the, the most common marital problems, though, you know, it's really like, usually it's like money, sex, kids, religion. Those are probably the big four right there, right? Yep. And so... You know, physical compatibility is obvious. That's the obvious one. Like, you know that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think along the lines of like, you know, one of my expectations is that if I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to put in the work and be in the gym and eat right and all those things, and I expect my spouse to do that. Like, that's an expectation, a mutual expectation. Like, I need to take care of my person, my body, my vessel. They need to do the same thing. And, um, you know, that's going to look different in different seasons, but that's mm-hmm. an expectation to talk about. And, you know, find someone that if, if you're in the gym, find someone that's in the gym. Like, hey, do you like going to the gym? Like, what do you do to take care of your body? Like, mm. do you love running or cycling or what is it? You know, find find out that information about them. Uh, a lot of the thing is, you know, find out kind of their like taste threshold as far as financial, mm. financially, you know, like, do you want a high maintenance woman or do you want someone that's really like, likes backyard gardening and low maintenance things. So talk about hobbies and interests and things like that. And uh, you can have it all. You just got to ask the questions. Kids is going to be a big one. And then, you know, talk to them about their religion and what they're involved in and their beliefs around that. So like, it's more important like their belief system because, you know, our mind, our beliefs are made up of, you know, our our, our history, our parents, uh, the community we've surrounded ourselves uh, things we read and absorb, uh, mentors, coaches, and all that build up our like internal belief system. Mm-hmm. And so getting to understand what someone believes in, you know, from a religious aspect, a financial aspect and things like that, you know, like is going to be, is going to be key to having that, you know, combat compatible relationship. That's not going to have as many of the fights. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you can start that open dialogue early when you're dating and stuff and just be vulnerable and open, like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking for someone that wants to have at least two kids. Like, yeah, maybe not right now. I'm not saying I want to have kids with you right now, but like, you know, is that something you're looking for in your life? That's a mm-hmm. fair question. I don't think another thing that's different that I believe about, you know, the dating scene is I think those questions should be earlier and we should, uh, we should stop wasting time faster. Absolutely. We move on. I think mm-hmm. we date people for years and hook up and all that, you know, hookup culture, dating culture and stuff. And like the goal is to find a spouse, a wife and someone to have kids with and mm-hmm. grow a life together. And I think the, you, you should know pretty quick if it's yes or no. Mm-hmm. 
And I think at that point, we should quit wasting time. We should move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. What were your non-negotiables? Um, spouse? Mm-hmm. Um, non-negotiables. Uh, I'm the money guy. I control the finances. Mm. I have a background in that. It's one of my A-type things. Like I got to lead the house. I'm going to provide, but then I'm going to lead the house financially. Okay. And that's one non-negotiable. Um, you know, two, I, I got, I want to have kids. Mm-hmm. So if it's a, if you're a no kid person, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Okay. I love kids. I have, you know, I come from a bigger family. So my mom remarried. There's, I've got seven brothers and sisters and they all have kids or a lot of them have kids and stuff. And so I just, you know, I, I really wanted my own kids. That was super, super important to me. And then, um, you know, obviously, um, I wanted to be married. So just mm-hmm. living together forever was not that that's a non-negotiable. Like okay. if this is right for us, we are getting married in in front of God and legally. We're doing both. Mm-hmm. And so that was super important to me. I think that was and then the, you know, I'm agreeing to take care of me. I need you to be someone that wants to take care of yourself and your body and things like that. Like that's super important to me because mm. in a lot of relationships go south when one partner and it could be either the man or the woman is super taking care of themselves and the other person doesn't give a crap and just lets gets out of shape starts having health problems and all that you know mess and then that creates a a a distant you know you're diverging at that point into different areas you're not moving together so Mm -hmm. i guess my other non-negotiable would be I needed my spouse to be willing to keep growing that knowing Mm -hmm. that just because you're married and you have a kid and stuff like life's not over. We got a long way to go Mm -hmm. and we're going to change a lot and it's going to be a journey. And I need someone that's willing to dig deep with me and do the hard stuff, have the hard conversations and be willing to grow and overcome things together. And then my biggest non-negotiable divorce is off the table, Mm -hmm. period. No, Evander, but I will, you, you, we will die before we get divorced. Mm. Just like we agreed to, and Hell yeah, I w- we should work through things. If we need counseling, cool. If we need to, all those things, open lines of communication. We will not get divorced. Mm. I love it, so. man. In a society that divorce is, I think even above fifty percent now. Stay true yeah. to your word, and if you're doing it, you better know what you're doing. That's awesome, man. That that was cool. You had them right off the. That was almost like scripted, man. That was good, almost. I like that. I like that a lot. So to everybody listening, let this guy just be a testament to you. I mean, this is what we need in society, man. And I appreciate you, Nate, for being the example. Like, this is great. This I'm going to be launching this. I, I launch every podcast episode, but this is going to be one that I highlight for sure, because oh, yeah. this is what the guys need to hear. You've lived it. You are living it. And um, we need more of it. And 100%. you explain it a lot better than I do. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm pretty good at explaining it, but I haven't lived the life you have yet. And like it or not, you're 10 years older than me. Um, yeah, you got 10 more years to live that life. So you're fine. Yeah. You're ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I am curious though, like how did that dynamic look when you uh, like asked her out? Like how'd that go? You know, did she come to you? Did you come to her? You're like, damn, who's this girl? You know what happened? <laughs> it's kind of like... So really that early, early on stuff is I used to work out at 5 a.m. with a, my coffee shop partner owner's brother and I used to go to the gym every day and then we go to the coffee shop. So we go work out from five to six, coffee shop opened at six, we go get a coffee together and hang out. And eventually 
uh, you know, some people from the coffee shop started going to work out with us at the gym and mm-hmm. lift heavy and all that. And so um, somewhere along the way, Jacob, the guy, my workout buddy, invited Lydia to start coming to the gym with us. Mm-hmm. And just, we became friends first. You know, we started doing that. I played like rec league volleyball a lot at the YMCA and different leagues and beach volleyball and stuff like that. So that's one of my favorite sports. And uh, she started coming to that too. And so we just became friends and we had some of these conversations about what we're looking for in life. So there was, Mm -hmm. you know, there's six months or a year, a year and a half, maybe even of just friendship and working out together and playing sports together and things like that before I was like, Hey, I I think I want to ask you out. Mm. You know, there was, and then I was definitely the one that asked her, hey, you want yeah. to go out with me? I think this could be something awesome because we're super, super compatible. Like this, mm. this makes a lot of sense. We're attracted to each other, obviously. And, uh, you know, let's let's give it a go. And Absolutely. have that conversation. So, But it was a friendship first. It started out as a friendship. So, like, you know, I think you know, finding someone that can be your best friend, whether it's date first and friendship or friendship and date, but it's important that there's a friendship there that you want to spend time together. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that part was already there for us. Man, that's so cool. Just your story in general, man, is just super cool. And uh, do you speak quite a bit at win rate? Have you gotten on stages yet and done that route? Some, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. I speak at all the events in the, la- the last few events. I spoke at WinCon and uh, I'm speaking at RoofCon coming up this year. Mm. So I'm working at, on that and getting on more pa- podcasts and things like that. I think the big thing for me this year was just committing to, uh, you know, putting out content and talking to the camera. And, you know, I, I'm a business coach. I've got 15, 16 clients right now that I talk to on Zoom. So it's just like this. It's just mm-hmm. a conversation. And I like talking to people. So it's kind of my, what I like doing. I like doing this. It's yeah. fun for me. You're very good at it too, man. I mean, it, you're very easy to talk to and there's no doubt that it's a very good skill of yours and I'm enjoying myself a lot, man. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So where can everybody on this podcast who's listening find you? I think the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. My handle is Nate R. Griffin. Um, they can check out my website, thenategriffin.com. Um, more updates coming soon, but Connect with me on Instagram. I'd love to hear from people. So on the, uh, I ask everybody to send me a dad joke. So as part of the Ask Mike Anything podcast segment for Mike's podcast on Fridays is uh, just one day randomly, I was like, we need to bring some comedy to this because Mike's so serious. And uh, I started introing the show with a dad joke mm-hmm. and having Mike answer them. So I'm always looking for cool dad jokes to use on that show for the intro to get Mike to laugh because uh, I think he's guessed like, We've recorded through episode 50 so far, and I think he's got three dad jokes, right? <laughs> yeah, we're coming up on a year of it, which is pretty wild. So, Man, I'm taking note of that. That's a good idea. I'm going to have to figure out my own little intro. It's just thing. fun. Yeah, have it's fun. fun. Started out with the laugh. And uh, well, it was Nate R. Griffin on Instagram, correct? Yeah. Okay, awesome. That's correct. Hit me up there. Absolutely. And the last thing I just want to ask you is that if you had the chance to give one piece of advice, a learning lesson, something that's happened in your life to the 18-year-old you, what would it be? I think my first piece of advice, especially in our culture, is to, uh, you know, have the patience to do the work. 
mm. and do the grind and do your time and learn and evolve and, you know, be sure of these things. So, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are just trying to go in business at 18 years old and they don't have any life experience or they don't really know anything. Yep. And my advice is like, be patient. If you think you want to be in roofing, maybe roofing sales, go work for a company that has a great sales team, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So um, have the patience to do the work to get to where you're going because what happens is like, it's a giant curve. So it's like you're grinding, 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 grinding. And then there's just a year where all of a sudden, and then the next year it's a rocket ship. So that's what mm-hmm. it's been for me is like, you know, I grinded all the way to, let's see, I'm 34. So 2019, I took home W-2 income from my own companies, like 40 grand. And I was mm-hmm. reinvesting. That's all I took home and spent. And like this year, I'll probably, I'll probably clear seven figures this year. Really? Nice, yeah. man. That's awesome. You hear that, everybody? Seven figures take home by doing the work, by living the life, by not giving up and keeping going, keeping yep. growing, keeping learning. Yep. Don't stop till you drop. <laughs> That's one thing I like to say, man. And I'm a testament to it too. You know, I haven't hit my rocket ship mode yet, but you know, early I got into sales. I knew that I wanted to make a lot of money and I wanted to do a lot of good and I knew sales was the way to go. So no matter what you guys want to do, do something that follows your passions, what you like, what you really want in life. You know, don't go and off the cuff and go to college for something that you really just don't know. Like figure it out, do the work, you know, go, if you want to get into sales, get into a good sales job. You know, another cool thing like he, I bet it helped with communication with him is that he went and he waited tables and because he waited tables, dude, if you didn't work at Olive Garden, I wonder what the hell would happen. I don't know. It's a crazy different journey. Crazy different journey. And it's not like, you I mean, seven figures compared to hundred to $200 a day. You know what I mean? Like, look where he's at now, everybody. Like, don't stop. Don't give up. Keep looking forward because there's greatness on the other side of temporary pain. That's right. I love it, man. Well, dude, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on. Thank you again. And always remember, everybody, conquer your life and don't stop. If this episode resonated with you, or if you know somebody who needs to hear it, don't keep it to yourself. Share it far and wide to anyone who crosses your mind. Send them a text message, an email, a DM on social media. Take a screenshot if you have to, and share it to your stories on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. I also want to express my gratitude for the incredible support and the five-star reviews on iTunes and Spotify. Your reviews help the show reach new audiences who might have never stumbled upon it before. By listening, they have the opportunity to open their minds and potentially change their lives. So please keep those reviews coming in and let's continue to make a huge impact together. Till next time, everybody, this is Tristan Mather signing off. And remember, if you want to make the world a better place, you must first look at yourself and make that change. Conquer your life.